You are listening to a podcast from News Plus Radio. This is In the Spotlight. Echoes from ancient times with the tempo of the modern age. In the Spotlight, more choice from the vast landscape of authentic Chinese culture. Hello and welcome to this edition of In the Spotlight, a show featuring arts, culture, and showbiz from right here in China. I'm your host Li Ningjing. First up on today's show, we'll be taking a look at China's growing understanding of Indian culture. Following that, we'll tell you about Bharatanatyam, which is one of the most representative Indian classical dances dating back to the third century. Next, we'll read a Chinese female writer's fluctuating journey in India, and finally, we'll hear our movie reviewer Lai Ming's assessment of *Dearest*, a film marking Hong Kong director Peter Chan's first attempt at making a realistic documentary. So, plenty of entertaining and informative stories are up ahead on *In the Spotlight*. Stay with us. As two major civilizations in Asia, China and India share a long history of communication when it comes to arts, philosophy, and religions. Now, an increasing number of Chinese people are coming to India to explore the country, both familiar and mysterious to them. After working in India as a TV correspondent for five years, Chinese journalist Zhang Ou has published four books on the country. He hopes Chinese people can have a deeper understanding of the Indian culture. Wang Lei has the story. India is、uh, chaotic, eye-opening, colorful, mysterious, and enlightening. As an ancient civilization that enjoys rich culture and geographical beauty. India has multiple faces among different people. However, most young Chinese today are unlikely to share the same understanding of Indian culture as their previous generation, who share a collective memory of Bollywood films and Indian pop songs that swept through China in the 1970s and 80s. <laughs> Journalist Zhang Ou was born and raised at that time. He says he felt the sharp differences between the previous knowledge he got from films about India and what he saw when he first stepped on the land as a foreign correspondent. I got my first impression on India from Bollywood films, and I thought Indian people are all-born dancers. Once I stepped on the land, I immediately knew I was wrong. The catchphrase of Indian tourist promotion is "Incredible India." Yes, to me, India is incredible indeed. You can see holy cows walking on the busy streets. Shanty dwellings stand side by side with five-star hotel. Of course, for most Chinese, it is not difficult to name some cultural icons from India, including Bollywood, Gandhi, the Taj Mahal, mass geniuses, and the IT industry. However, Zhang Ou says Chinese and Indian people still lack deeper understanding of each other's culture. At least compared with what they know about American and European cultures, one example Zhang Ou says is in their notion of the next life. You know that yoga is very popular in China now. Chinese ladies practice yoga to keep fit and slimming. In India, only Hindu practice yoga. Hindu believe that following Hindu practice, they will secure good fortune in the next life. The two ancient civilizations have different and sometimes opposite explanations of the next life. 
Zhang says the life philosophy of Confucianism, which is a core element of traditional Chinese culture, is quite different from that of Hinduism. I can't see any Buddhists in New Delhi. Most people are Hindus. According to the Hindus' point of view, life is endless, repetitive cycle of birth and rebirth. The poor people believe that、uh, they have a bad karma in previous life. Karma is the law of cause and effect. So poor people are very quiet in society. That was very different from what I learned in China. To help Chinese people better understand Indian culture, Zhang O has published four books on India. Among them, two are about Xuanzang, a renowned Chinese Buddhist who traveled to India in China's Tang Dynasty about 1,400 years ago to study and introduce Buddhist classics back to China. Zhang O says Xuanzang played a crucial role. In the expansion and preservation of Buddhism, as his travel log helped modern historians and archaeologists restore the history of Buddhism in India after it had long been forgotten, Zhang O says the historical relics related to Xuanzang's trip are popular among Chinese tourists. I believe Chinese visitors have a special feeling toward India, for it's the birthplace of Buddhism. So Buddhism is an important factor to attract Chinese visitors. They always want to go to Bodhigaya, where Buddha obtained enlightenment, Sarnath, where Buddha preached his first sermon. It is interesting to note that、uh, all the introduction of these Buddhist sites are the quotation from Xuanzang's travelog. Gongyuan Apart from the books. Zhang O is also the senior advisor of a TV documentary depicting the life and contributions of Xuanzang. Along with the influential Buddhist, Zhang O also showcases another key figure in the history of communication between China and India. Arguably, the greatest sailor in Chinese history, Zheng He. Zhang says today visitors can still see the fishing net used by the Grand Fleet of Zheng He when they learned fishing techniques from locals at that time. Despite having a busy job, Zhang O says he enjoys recording his thoughts and self-reflections when traveling to foreign countries. I love traveling and particularly interested in the Silk Road and the Buddhist Pilgrim Road. As a journalist, you know I have traveled a lot. In the past twenty years, I have traveled along the Silk Road and the Pilgrim Road from the beginning to the end. It is really an exciting experience.、I、like to share my experience and survey with my readers. This kind of writing is really enjoyable to me. The veteran journalist says he hopes Chinese people can have a deeper understanding of Indian culture through his words. Wang Lei reporting. You're listening to In the Spotlight. Bharatanatyam is one of the most representative Indian classical dances, which can be dated back to the third century. Many may confuse it with a cinematic dance from Bollywood movies, but in China, Jin Shanshan, a leading exponent of Bharatanatyam, is trying to promote this less-known art to a wider audience. Liu Min has the story. Sitting upright and cross-legged in a bright exercise room, 
Jin Shanshan wears a blue sari and directs her students to mimic her hand gestures of the ancient Indian dance Bharata Natyam. You went there. For example, there are lots of Hindu stories set in forest. So we use this hand gesture to represent trees, this one for cirrus, and this one conveys the meaning of lotus. Originated in the temples of southern India, Bharatanatyam is known for its grace, purity, tenderness, and sculptural poses. Using eyes, facial expressions, hand gestures, and body language, dancers express their affection toward gods. The pristine beauty and figure of this dance attracts performers from around the world, including Jin Shanshan, a native Chinese. Born in the 1970s, Jin says her affinity with India started at a young age, when Hindi films were introduced to China for the first time. The music and choreographic elements of the movies have inspired her interest ever since. Soon, she joined the training school for children to study Indian dance, which is operated by the noted Oriental Song and Dance Ensemble. In 1994, Jin went to India as an exchange student. During her one-year stay, she learned from Bilaju Mahalaj, the master of Kathak dance. During my first visit to India, what I learned was Kathak, a dance style originated in northern India. But during my studies, I realized that I like Bharatanatyam more. So I went to my country dancing teacher and asked her if I could learn the two styles together. She was not happy with that because, according to an unwritten rule in India, one should be loyal to a particular dance style from the beginning to the end. I wrote a letter and asked her if I go back to India to study Bharatanatyam with her. Is she going to teach me or not? She did not reply. But eventually, Leela Samsung was moved by Jin's sincerity and persistence, and became her mentor. Jin was Samsung's first foreign disciple, and it only took her nine months to master the content that usually takes others four years to grasp. With this experience, Jin has become one of the few professionally trained Chinese Bharatanatyam dancers. In the next few years, Jin founded herself and went back to India several times to learn the dance extensively. The profound connotations and the unique artistic features of the dance have hooked this budding artist. In order to instill the culture in China, Jin opened a dancing school in 2005. In the beginning, due to the lack of understanding towards Indian classical dance, some Chinese came to me to study Indian cinematic dance. Some of them asked me why my performing style is different from what they have seen from movies. So after a while, some of the pupils left the school. We lost many students, but after years of efforts, people have gradually understood and accepted the classical dance. Now we have received more and more students. The number of people who are interested is increasing as well. Now, Jin Shanshan trains more than 100 students from three years old to adult dancers. 
When Jin holds a stick and beats out the rhythm on the wooden block, pupils all dressed in Indian-style clothes stamp the floor and stretch their arms. Jin's daughter is one of them. Practicing the routines with pure concentration, the young girl seems to share the same zeal towards Indian dance with her mother. When she was two years old, I took her to study in India for more than a year. I remember that when we watched the performance of the classes, she just followed us everywhere. When we danced together, she would perform at the end of the row. She just follows our steps like this. Jin says she won't interfere with her daughter's career choice, but it seems that the girl has already made her decision to succeed her mother. Talking about the future, Jin Shanshan is holding high hope for her dancing school. Rather than running a training platform for her daughter and students, the dancer hopes the school could expand to a cultural center. I hope there will be more Chinese people start to take interest in my school and learn dancing here. On the other hand, I want to build an institute, no matter it is a club or another form of school. We could invite top artists from India to perform in China and provide more opportunities for dialogue. Meanwhile, it may serve as a better platform for Chinese students to perform in India in the future. As Chinese interest in Indian culture is growing, Jin's classroom is not big enough to accommodate her students. In late October, she will move the school to a larger space and hopes more and more Chinese will fall in love with the divine and mysterious Bharatanatyam. That was Liu Ming reporting. You're listening to In the Spotlight. With the shift of ideas and emergence of well-to-do middle class, the trend of backpacking abroad has sprung up among Chinese travelers. But only a handful of them have received as rich a cultural experience as Hong Mei. In her debut book, the farther I walk, the closer I get to me, or in Chinese, 走得越远, the author records her fluctuating journey in India, from shooting scenes with Bollywood stars to the interaction with Hitra, India's third gender. Let's follow Xing Siqi to take a look at this travelogue. French philosopher Romain Roland once said, If there's one place on the face of this earth where all the dreams of living men have found a home from the very earliest day when man began the dream of existence, it is India. Blessed with the antiquity of history and rich cultural wealth, India is a land rift with mystique to outsiders. Many Chinese know little about the country despite of its geographic proximity with China. 34-year-old Hong Mei used to be one of them. All my idea about the Indians uh, from the book Journey to the West, actually that's also a famous TV show. All the days there's some popular uh, Bollywood movie about dance and singing and about sari. But at that time I even don't know sari, the close name. Also like in China, we said that curry rice. I think that's from India, that's all. But her perception of India has undergone a dramatic change after backpacking in the country for nearly eight months. In 2009, Hong Mei quit her job and flew to India with her husband. Traveling on a limited budget of 15 to 20 US dollars a day, the couple managed to plant their footprints over the country by rickshaw, bus and train. 
From Kanyakumari, the southernmost tip of the Indian subcontinent, to the mountainous areas where Arisa tribes live, they came to some of the most remote and pristine regions of India. From Pushka Camel Fair to the Hindu festival Holi, the pair was able to witness major celebrations and events in the country. Their wild adventure even included acting as extras in several Bollywood productions. When we were in Mumbai and sitting by the Indian Gate, there's a guy just approached us, said, "Hey, do you guys want to be in a Bollywood movie?" I mean, that's true, yeah. Why not? Everyone to be movie star. <laughs> so, in one of the commercial we did with Amir Khan, he's in Three Idiots. I was just standing right in front of him. It's my f-、uh, first time to see a、uh, Bollywood star, and、uh, and he's so nice. The adventurous happenings and breathtaking sceneries in India inspired Home to put pen to paper. At that time, I have no idea I'm gonna write a book. I just kept a diary because we went so many places in、uh, the Indian, so diversity, all the different information just come to you. Flow to you, so I wanted to record it. In this diary turned travelogue, the farther I go, the closer I get to me. The author produces a vivid account of the joy and hardship of backpacking as the journey proceeded. The book also portrays India in all its varieties by depicting the bittersweet experience of backpacking in the country and taking a peek at the mundane life of its average citizens. What I wanted to show you is that you can just go to see. I want to show you the real India, the diversity, everything, just amazing. Following the trail of Hong and her husband, readers could immerse themselves with the lofty and magnificent architecture, the serenity of Ganges River, and the fascinating performance of the Vyam dance. Moreover, viewers could savor the charm of India through dozens of photographs, which were taken by Hong's husband, American photographer Tom Hutter. Rated 8.6 out of 10 on Douban.com, one of China's largest social networking websites, this recently published travelogue has received much acclaim among readers. My friend recommended this book to me. In fact, our knowledge towards India has been deepened, and it's interesting to read a book from a backpacker's perspective. Although I'm a little bit of homebody, I would love to read such a book. My daughter loves this book so much. Maybe we get influenced by her. We like this book as well. I'm deeply touched by this writer who fears no hardship and could travel to places so far away from home. My daughter told me that she's not afraid of difficulties, and one day she will be a backpacker as well. Maybe after her college graduation, we will travel to the outside world too. As for Hong Mei and Tom Carter, the wanderlust-driven couple say they are looking forward to going back to India and exploring more about this ancient yet modern country. Instead of traveling in two, this time they will bring their son. That was Xun Siqi reviewing the book "The Farther I Walk, the Closer I Get to Me." You're listening to In the Spotlight with Li Ningjun. Dearest is Hong Kong director Peter Chan's first experiment at making a realistic documentary. It tells the story of parents who have lost their children to kidnappers, as well as other victims affected by abduction cases. Although it does try to touch viewers with emotional material, the story is actually more realistic than emotional. We go to Lai Ming for more. I'm called Tian Wenjun. This is my son Tian Peng. 他于二零零九年七月十八号下午五点左右在家附近走失
About a quarter of a century ago, when Taiwan movie My Beloved was aired in cinemas, viewers were advised to bring a handkerchief because the touching story was supposed to induce massive and unstoppable weeping. Now, 25 years later, at the preview of Peter Ho Shun Chen's recent big screen product, the guests find small envelopes on their seats containing a tissue. That, combined with earlier news releases about the movie, is enough to inform the viewers that they are in for a weeper. But Peter Chan is far too ambitious to stop at a simple story about child abduction. Instead, he has decided to challenge himself in the making of a realistic documentary. When the film hits Chinese cinemas in late September, moviegoers will be treated to a complex story involving multiple characters and at least two different perspectives. As the director himself has reiterated on many occasions, the focus is not on child abduction. A thoughtful viewer who has watched the film would understand that his aim is to paint a realistic picture of many issues in contemporary Chinese society. However, as a market-minded director who has had much experience working in Hong Kong and Hollywood, and has only moved to Beijing in recent years, Peter Chan cannot assume that he understands the lives of people on the Chinese mainland. In fact, even the directors of China's annual New Year Gala, who for the last few decades have been very successful in tugging the heartstrings of Chinese audiences, have suddenly lost the ability to impress increasingly demanding viewers. How can we expect someone coming from outside the local culture to deliver a killer punch to filmgoers' tear ducts? We can't. Neither can the director. That is why he conspires with old-time partner and scriptwriter Zhang Ji. Based on a true story of divorced parents who lose their child, Zhang Ji expanded the story to include others who have suffered the same fate, and even more people who stand to benefit or lose from these abduction cases. In a word, Zhang's portrayal highlights the complexity of some of China's problems. They are deeply entangled, just like the coil of electric wires and internet cables, which is shown right in the beginning and repeated time and time again in the film. Perhaps it is exactly the complexity that compelled the producers to stop at just pointing out the questions. But the choice of actors and actresses also suggests their adherence to a realistic approach. Actor Huang Bo's talent obviously extends far beyond the profile of a popular comedian. His secret is to release totally different versions of himself to fulfill different characters. Actress Zhao Wei plays the wife of a child kidnapper. Her skills have always been in question, but since her role here requires not so much acting as just looking ugly and speaking in her own dialect, we should at least give her some credit for making that sacrifice. Actor Zhang Yi and actress Hao Lei deliver the most impressive acting and maintain it throughout the entire film. So all in all, Dearest is a film that deserves two hours in the cinema. At least to learn more about the problem of abduction cases, and perhaps a little more about China. That was Lai Ming giving us his take on the movie Dearest. With that, we've come to the end of this edition of In the Spotlight. We hope you've enjoyed the show.
If you have any comments or suggestions, you can email us at spotlight at cri dot com dot cn. You can also log on to our website at www dot newsplusradio dot cn to find out more about today's topics or catch up on any of our previous editions. I'm Lining Jing, and thank you for listening. Please tune in same time next week for more interesting stories. Goodbye. Thanks for downloading this edition of the program. To find out more, please go to our website, newsplusradio.cn. We hope you enjoy it.